Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. If you've got your Bible, please turn with me to Acts 2. I'm going to be reading a very small passage. In fact, it's a verse rather than the whole of Acts 2. And that's Acts 2, 42. That's where we're going to be going this morning. I've titled my message, Building an Acts 2, 42 Culture in City Hill. What do I mean by that? I'm sure when you look at this passage, you'll realize that it begins with the word devotion. It says, if you read it, that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers. Now, the interesting thing here is asking ourselves this question, what does it mean they devoted themselves? Where am I going? What I want to do today is that I want to help us to realize that we are not just building with a vision that God has given us in this church, which is we are Christ-centered church, we are gospel-advancing church, we are a city-impacting church. We are not just building on that vision, but without a culture of the kingdom, a culture of heaven, it is impossible for us to build that vision together. That we'll be talking about vision until the cows come home, we'll be echoing these words, but when you look at the foundation, when you look at everything on the ground, you realize this does not stand. It's just vision, it's a lot of talk, but really there's no action. So what I want to bring to you today is I want to help us to, to build a good foundation upon which that vision can stand and can rest and can be strong, where we can build a church with a different perspective and a different outlook altogether. A church that looks completely different to how the world does things because we are part of a new culture, which is a culture of the kingdom of God. The word devotion has been used many times, and I'm sure for Christians, you are so used to the word devotion. Because the question could be, did you have your devotion this morning? Isn't that how we use the word? But that's not how I plan to use that word this morning, and I'm sure that's not what the Bible is referring to. It's not referring to a morning quiet time when we sit there. Remember, some of you probably remember Joel's red chair, when he was preaching about the red chair where he would sit and he would pray. It's not about a red chair where you sit and pray and reflect and actually do your devotion, a quiet time in a moment with God. This is bigger than that. The city is devoted. We are all devoted to something or someone. So for instance, in this city, at this point in time, many of us... And many of the people in the city are devoted to certain things. What do I mean? They've dedicated their lives to something, to a point that a lot has to give so that they can give themselves to this. There has, there has to be a sacrifice so that they can commit themselves. They can give time, they can give energy, they can give everything they have towards this. It's a devotion, it's a dedication. Wholeheartedly, I'm on board. This is the thing that occupies the number one spot in my life. That's a devotion. So let's make an example in the city. A lot in the city are devoted to sport. Right now we are having 
the World Cup, Rugby World Cup that's happening in Japan. Some of you who are rugby lovers, can I just see all the rugby lovers? I'm not about to mock you here, but I think by the grace of God, you are devoted. I see only South Africans. Can I see people from New Zealand? What about the Brits? Come on, you are doing not so bad. <laughs> there is a devotion to sport. What do I mean by that? It's, there's a difference between loving sport and loving to watch sport or maybe playing sport, Isaac, to really being devoted to sport. Because if you go around, you'll find there are lots of worship centers around Dubai where people are devoted to this. To a point that everything has to give. Family, park over there. My time with sport has started. I don't want to hear anything from the children whinging on the side. My wife, everyone should stop. This moment should cease so that I can spend time giving myself wholeheartedly to this beautiful TV that's in front of me and I can watch sport. And when my team loses, my family is in trouble. When my team wins, I'm going to do a big, nice barbecue because this is a moment of celebration and worship. Mixed emotions in the room already, eh? If I lose this thing that I'm so excited about, it really, really messes me up on the inside. If the team loses today, I'm really, really not in a good place. And because of that, I'm so in love with this that I clear my diary completely during the week and make sure that come Friday or come Saturday, I'm going to sit in front of my TV and I'm going to devote myself to this particular thing that I've given myself to. And by the way, if I'm going to do it in a, a, a pub or a place where we all gather, we congregate with our friends, um, I'm going to go there on time. I'm going to make sure that I'm there at the right time because I want to see everything. I want to listen to the commentators and what they say, everything. I want to know about my play to the people that I actually follow and make sure that everything is in place. And everything, my money, my everything is dedicated to this thing. And that is sport. But the interesting thing, and this is a challenge in the church, is that because of that dedication, when my team wins, I'm going to scream, I'm going to shout. For those who've watched football, uh, rugby with me will know that. <laughs> when my team wins, I... Stand and I cheer, and I'm excited about it, and it's, I don't care whether I'm embarrassing people around me because I'm really excited, I'm hooked into whatever it is that's in front of me that I love, and I follow, and I enjoy. Is that still unfair? But then the, the question comes when Jesus walks in into my life. If I'm modeling worship, it means before Jesus Christ, as my Lord and Savior, if I'm dedicated and given myself and devoted to Him, it means that when He takes the number one spot in my life, when I come and I behold the Lamb and Jesus Christ before my eyes, I do not hold back. I do not feel embarrassed to actually rejoice and celebrate because He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The difference is that our devotion, our time, and our dedication has gone so far towards other things that sometimes we have no energy for this one. What about work? Isn't work something big in this country itself? By the way, can I just say, sport is not bad. It's the, the devotion that takes the place of Jesus, that the, the sort of things you can, we can do 
before this thing that when I'm before Jesus, I feel embarrassed that I can't do them. What about work? If I don't do this, my boss is going to be angry. My boss is going to be upset and I have to do it. I have to answer that phone call. I have to answer that email. I have to respond right now because these people are really relying on me to deliver and I need to deliver and there are deadlines on a daily basis that I need to do. And my family can stop and church can stop because I've got this one thing that is primary, that takes the number one spot in my life that I've given myself to. But that doesn't mean that work is not important. Is that on the, on the pecking order, if you do have a pecking order, where is work on your pecking order? Does it take, occupy the number one spot in my life? And if it does, then obviously it means something has to give in my life that I need to sacrifice. And sometimes it means family, sometimes it means other things, because I've got this thing that has taken the number one spot in my, in my life. What about family? This one is, is an, it's an interesting one because we promote in the church the love for family, how we, as God has loved us in the family, that we are to give ourselves to our family and love our family, love our children, our wives, our husbands, and give them, ourselves to them. But there's a difference between the devotion that's supposed to just go towards God and the devotion that's going towards family. And because we write so many books in, in the church about devotion and about loving family, sometimes we don't realize the slippery slope where that has taken the number of spot in, instead of Jesus Christ. And it's important because this one, I think for Christians, is one of the most sensitive things because we sometimes don't know how far we go and how far we should go. What about fun? Many people in Dubai live for fun. We work really hard during the week and then the weekend is fun. And remember, I said to you, none of this is wrong provided it's done with the right perspective in mind. Because with all these things, what you are building is you're not just doing this, but you are building a culture, a subculture in your life. It's a different thing altogether. There's a football and a rugby or sports subculture in Dubai. There's a work subculture in Dubai, a culture that is dedicated to work. If you are going to survive in this world, this is what you got to do. What about money? I gotta make money as quickly as possible, as much as possible, as, as soon as possible, so that I can be something I want to be. And nothing else will stand in my way because I need to fulfill this desire in my life of making as much money as possible. There's a devotion, there's a commitment to a point that it just doesn't become a commitment, it becomes a culture, it becomes something that really is part of who I am. But when you look at the book of Acts, you'll realize. That from the time that God set the people of God free from slavery in Egypt. And for 40 years, their mission paused that they couldn't enter the promised land. All that journey was about establishing not just a new religion, but a new culture. Because it was to establish a new people with a new identity. And even after the time where Jerusalem was ransacked by Nebuchadnezzar, and they found themselves in exile, the big thing for them was, we want to preserve this culture. Hence, Daniel wanted to have a different diet to the diet of the people there. But we come to a time when Jesus Christ comes on the scene, 
And what he doesn't bring are a list of principles and the how-tos in terms of how to live our lives or some kind of religion that helps us to do better next time. But Jesus brought us something of the kingdom, the heavenly kingdom, which is a culture that is so different from the culture that was seen of that time. It wasn't just a replacement of Judaism with another religion called Christianity. This was entering a completely new thing, a new way of doing things, a new way of seeing the world, a new way of seeing society, a new way of seeing friends, a new way of seeing God, a new way of seeing the world, creation, everything. Now we were to receive through the power of the Holy Spirit a new perspective on life and everything. And that's what Jesus came on the scene to do. And when you pick up in the book of Acts in Acts 2, what you are picking up here is people who have entered a completely new kingdom. And the culture of the kingdom is being revealed in this passage that I've just read out to you. That it wasn't just a tick box list of things that they had to do. Okay, you have to pray, tick. You have to devote yourself to this, tick. You have to do, no, no, no. We are part of a completely new culture. We are part of a new family. We see things differently. Imagine one day you wake up in the morning, you are scared to death because Jesus has just died and you are waiting to work out what's going to happen. And Jesus, all of a sudden, he rises from, from, the, from death and he is now alive. And you're still amazed and you're still surprised at what just happened here. And then he says, wait in Jerusalem because the Spirit is going to come. And you're waiting. You're still scared because now you are wondering how everyone is going to look at you, perceive the things that you are doing. Because now Jesus is not here. He's gone. And all of a sudden, 120 people are sitting in the, in the upper room and they are wondering what's going on. As they were praying, the power of God comes upon them and the Spirit rests upon them. And they go from 120 people to 3,000 people. You wake up in the morning, you are part of a 3,000 group. That has to think completely different to the rest of the world. And now something new has to be established, which is a new way of looking at everything. A new way of looking at the world, a new way of looking at society, a new way of approaching God. It's no longer the temple anymore. It's wherever we are. It's no longer that mountain or that temple. We can worship God in spirit and in truth. These people are very different from the people that are around them. It's a new culture. City, let me suggest to you today that what I want to bring to you is that this is what I will want us to build. Not a new religion. Not a new way. Not a, a new uh, list of principles that we need to observe so that we might be better in this city. Not five ways that we can make our lives better, but I want to say this to you. If we can't build this kind of culture among us, we cannot change this city. And God wants us to build something that is so different that the world will look at it and say, wow, these people, like in the book of Acts, have devoted themselves to something that is worth devoting your life to. And that something is Jesus Christ. And it's reflected in many different ways. Even as you read here, you find out that they devoted themselves to the Word of God. They've devoted themselves to fellowship. They fellowship. They're spending time together. They've devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. And they've devoted themselves to prayer. And these are the four things I want to bring to you today that we are building this not as a religious thing that we do. We are building this because it's a culture of the kingdom. When we enter the kingdom, we suddenly see everything differently and we suddenly act in a different way. 
Let's look at the word. What does it mean to be dedicated to the word to a point that we sacrifice so much because we want to give ourselves to this? Because it reveals Jesus to us. I went to Andrew earlier and I said, can I, can I talk about your story? Because it helps me to, um, to make this point relevant today. A few years ago, Andrew's uh, dad passed away. And someone was involved in that because uh, it was almost like it was a car accident. Am I right, Andrew? And uh, he, someone hit him as he was walking across. And it was a sad moment in Andrew's life because all of a sudden he wakes up one morning, he doesn't have his father. And someone was involved in this. I think for a while inside you struggled with this. You found it really hard. It was such a hard thing that this person here cannot should face justice because this is what they did. My, my dad, who I love, and you know, he's my dad. He's no more. Because this man, through his reckless driving, was able to kill my father. How do you react to that? The initial response sometimes can be anger, isn't it? I'm angry, and I want this person to face justice. I want him to be arrested. Oh, for some of you, you think, I want to go and punch the person, right? Depends who you are. What Andrew did during that time is he was struggling with this. One morning before the church, a word was brought about a woman caught in adultery and how Jesus stood there and everyone else had stones in their hands and were about to stone this woman and Jesus stood there and said, He who is without sin cast the first stone. And the word was, you, some of you today are carrying stones and you are just about to really stone someone through your actions, through your heart, in the way that you are reacting to circumstances right now. God is saying to you, drop that stone. God spoke to Andrew right there and there. And he, although he struggled, I'm sure it's not easy to come to terms with what God is saying at that moment. He allowed the word to wash himself and wash all that he had been carrying for a very long time. And so today, even though it doesn't feel like it, but I make this decision to, be, to respond to the word. I bring the word here that the word helps me. The word will guide me and guard me in my decision right now. I'm going to be led by the word in how I act from here on. It's as hard as this is, I'm going to go and forgive the person. I'm going to walk away from this. I'm going to be cleansed. The battle belongs to the Lord. It doesn't belong to me. And God, through that act, through that, what Andrew had done there, God was, was glorified. When we, devoted, when we have devoted ourselves to the Word, it means the Word is not the sort of thing that we just read for religious purposes and we just find out if there's something I can encourage people with or if something I can say today. But really, what happens is that we go from reading Scripture to Scripture reading us. Scripture checking the motives of our hearts and able to unpack what is going on deep in my heart and say, that thing there, putting a finger on the thing that is not in line with the truth of the gospel and uprooting that and sanctifying us and cleansing us and making us more like Jesus Christ. That is a culture I want us to build. 
is a culture where the Word of God is not just a thing that we read, but the Word of God speaks to us. The Word of God shapes us. It shapes our decisions and everything that we, we, we do. Let's be honest. It does sometimes get under our skin, doesn't it? The Word of God, you read it, and it just really seems to be saying things that you wish it hadn't said. And you wish, you, you, or you, you don't want to hear it. It's just something I really don't want to hear. I know it's true, but I wish he wasn't saying that because I wish he was saying this. Let me say this. Let scripture guard you and guide you as you go on. Let us build a church where scripture is over here and not over here. Let's allow scripture to speak to us. Let's be those who respond to the Bible and respond to the word of scripture. Because out of this, spoke, this written word, the living word will begin to speak to us. For many of you, you're saying, how is God speaking to me? As you read the Bible and the spirit of God is upon you, the living word, Jesus Christ, will begin to speak to your heart and change you and transform you because you've given yourself to Jesus. Scripture is good. It is important for our purity. Because the Bible says, it makes it clear that David says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Joel was talking about freedom earlier. How are we able to deal with things in our lives that have been there for a long time, that have become addictions and things like that? Let scripture wash that. Because as you hide the word of God in your heart, and this, is, this doesn't mean a, a religious act of sitting in the morning and reading it. This means like taking the word for what it says and really saying, I'm going to submit under the authority of Scripture and I'm going to allow the Scriptures to speak to me, to challenge me. And the more it does that, the more it goes deeper and deeper and says things that you don't want to hear, the more you hide it in your heart and it takes that number one spot in your heart. And now, all of a sudden, sin does not feel pleasurable anymore. But God has taken the number one spot in your life. Scripture helps us not only with purity and sanctification, but Scripture helps us with direction as well. You're wondering how to make decisions, where to go, what's the next job, everything like that in this city where we're asking questions every day. You know how many decisions you make in the morning alone? Because you have to decide what to wear. You have to decide that you're going to comb your hair, brush your teeth, and all kinds of things that you do. For Emily, she makes more decisions probably than me. Because she has to do so much more for ladies than I have to do. But we have to, we make so many decisions. In, in one day, I don't know, you probably make a hundred decisions, I don't know. But the question is, some of those decisions, have you ever gone against this scripture and say, does it line up with the scriptures? Or is it a good idea? Or it sounds good? Because the Bible once is the one that helps us. It lights our path and it enables us to walk in righteousness, to pursue God as we run this race, to know that we are running the race towards the goal. Fulfilling this goal can only happen when our eyes are fixed on Christ. And the only way that our eyes can be fixed on Christ is the Christ that is revealed here. When we read him and he's illuminated in our hearts, in our minds, then it helps us to be directed well. What about, what about some of the challenges when we read Scripture? One of the challenges I just want to bring to you today is the challenge of a lot of new teachings around. I've, I've not lived in many generations and decades, of course, but I've never known throughout history a time where there's so many new teachings than this time. 
we live with so many new teachings, following the latest teaching around and going around the latest teaching. Let me say this, if the latest teaching is so latest that it's something new but not in line with Scripture, are we able to discern that, hey, it needs to be in line with Scripture? Or are we just going for something because it's the latest and it sounds good? That's a caution for us and it's a challenge for us because before we know it, sometimes you might find yourself slightly off course. Steve Oliver was here two weeks ago, I think three weeks ago, and one of the things that he felt God speak to him about was we are living in a time in history where God is challenging us to not follow kings, but to follow him. From Isaiah 6, remember, in the year that King Uzziah died, the Bible says, I saw the Lord. Almost like the, my eyes were blurry. I couldn't see the Lord because my focus was not really on him. My focus was on kings. The very people who were supposed to bring God to me, they have become to me a God. And God is speaking and saying, it's time to drop the kings and to exalt Jesus. Because I don't know how many times or how, how much money we spend a year going around following kings. Did you hear that person? What about, he's got the biggest church in the world. Come, let's go, let's pay money, let's go and, let's go and hear him. The funny thing is, so some of these things have put so much pressure on some of these kings that great men of God have been falling and falling and falling that all of us have built our faith on. And we find ourselves crumbling in our faith and asking ourselves questions because you know where our anchor is? The kings of the world. God raised the kings. It wasn't like this were people that God didn't raise. These were people that, God, they, that were raised to help people to, go, to look to God. But the people somehow looked to them. We spend so much money traveling the world to go for kings that we live in our lives for kings and we leave behind the one thing that reveals who the true king is. And I just want to say, it's a big challenge for us. Let's draw back to Jesus and not to kings and the word of God helps us. What about information overload? This is another big challenge that we have right now, that if we're going to build a culture in City Hill, we need to overcome this challenge. I've never known a time in history where there have been so many podcasts that are available for you to listen to a week. You know that? You can just scroll your iPhone, one, two, three, I can listen to those. There used to be a time where you'll hear one word spoken and preached, and you'll spend enough time, probably over a week, reflecting on that. But now everything is insta it's, it's instantaneous, it's so quick that uh, it's bite of this and a bite of that and a bite of that, before you know it, you've received nothing. That has really shaped you and transformed you and challenged you. I'm not saying let's, let's go stop on podcasts. I am saying to you, where is a place of the word in my heart, not just in my, in my iPhone? Because it takes a while actually to, to read one passage of scripture or to listen to one preach and to step back and to reflect. We are not a generation that reflects enough. And I think it's time for us to step back and reflect and say, not just it was good, but say, what is God saying to me through this? And our approach to Scripture has, not, has gone from being, hey, 
God is saying something to me too. Who was doing it? What did they say? What is the latest thing? How was it done? To... And if we, miss, if we miss the words and the content of what God is saying to us, we realize that we, we spend a year just consuming, overloading, but not receiving something of substance that can transform our lives. So the Word of God is really important. Jesus, when he took the words and he opened the scroll, he wasn't just listening and reading. He said, what I'm reading here has been fulfilled at your hearing in my life. Has the word of God has been spoken, been fulfilled in your life? The two, they, devo they devoted themselves to, to fellowship. Not just the word, fellowship. I know this has already been said, but where's Marcus? Abednego, I just want to just thank you guys for last week, last Friday, it's already been said, for how you galvanized the church and how you made fellowship such an important part of our culture as City Hill by putting together the city lunches. We really enjoyed ourselves. And for those who were there, I'm sure you would say that. And I don't want, my desire will is that if it's going to be a culture, it can't be something that happens once or twice a year. That's my challenge to us, that it needs to be something that is just so part of who we are. And it only happens if we devote ourselves, we give ourselves. And sometimes as we do that, a lot has to give so that we might be able to do it well and do it for God's glory. Because it's not just something for the welcome team. Oh, let's go and fellowship with people who are new, who are here for the first time. It's lovely to see those who are here for the first time. And I just want to say this. It's not about just saying hi to you. We want to enter this journey together of discovering Christ together with you. And that takes fellowship when we do that. Because if I fail to enjoy fellowship with the people of God and with those who are around me, I would fail to enjoy fellowship with Jesus Christ. Because we see Jesus through people. We see Jesus revealed in the lives of the people that we hang, we hang out with, that we spend time with, that we hang around every day. So Friday, to us, let it be a church day. Let it be a time where we fellowship together. Not a coffee time for five minutes and ten minutes because I've got a, an appointment that's set up. This is a challenge that I want to bring to you. Let it be a time where we actually are in one another's lives and we build relationship. Two Fridays back, I, we had visitors here and I, and I knew I was going to take them out for a meal. And I happened to be picking up Mikey over here. Mikey's new, he's from South Africa and he's from Cape Town. And um, through contacts in Cape Town, Mikey got in touch with me, and uh, he's here today at City Hill. So I had to pick him up that morning, and then we had Paul here preaching that Friday morning, and it was lovely to connect with Mikey. But one of the things that happened that morning was I saw everyone else who was there, and, but also I, that I needed to take out for a meal, but also there was Mikey. And I said, Juman, what are your plans today, Mikey? I haven't got, I've got, I haven't got any plans. It's Friday. My plans are to come and fellowship and to worship Jesus. Do you want to come for a meal with us? Great. Andrew and Jane, what are you up to today? Nothing. <laughs> Do you want to come and fellowship? Great. Jacob and Susie, what are you doing today? Um, nothing. Why? Do you want to come for a meal? Yes. 
Harold and Pixie, what are you doing today? Um, we, were go we were going home, but other than that, do you want to come for a meal? Yeah, of course, let's do this. And we went to Dubai Mall, and we booked a big table there, and we sat down, and we didn't just eat, we fellowshiped. It was such a joy to sit in there, enjoying together. And I just want to say this. <laughs> Let us give ourselves to fellowship. Let it not just be something that we discover once or we do it when we have visitors, etc. Because I felt God challenged me at that moment and say, we got to give ourselves and devote ourselves. This got to be part of who you are, that when people come for the first time, what they see, they see Jesus in, you, in the way that you fellowship with one another. And one of the biggest issues has been our schedule for Friday, where you have so much planned, and you can't even do this, when people are saying, oh, no, 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 I can't talk to you right now. I've got this, I've got that, I've got that. Let me say, this. if you can, clear your schedule on a Friday, but let it not just be a Friday thing. Clear your schedule and go out of your way and say, what are you doing today? Do you want to come and hang out? And let's really spend time together. Because I believe if we're going to build a culture where people feel that they can build deep relationship, it's going to take sacrifice and it's going to take time. Let's give ourselves to that. If you have your Bible, turn to Hebrews 10. Because I believe the end time church is marked by fellowship. That's one of the marks of the end time church that... The writer of Hebrews speaks of. This is what he says. He talks about everything else. He says, let us hold unswervingly, verse 23, to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, and let us consider how we spur one another on toward love and good deal. Christianity, this is what it's about. But just when you think it's just about all the spiritual stuff, it says, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habits of doing. It's a habit. It's something that is part of my culture. It's what I do because I'm a believer in Christ. Where we, encouraging, we encourage one another. And then it goes on to say, and all the more, as you see the day is approaching. Which means this is about the future church is going to be marked by fellowship. As we look to the day that the Lord is going to come, one of the things that when the Lord comes, as we behold the Lamb just about to come, one of the things that He will see when He comes among us is the people who are dedicated and devoted to one another, who are giving themselves to fellowship that is not just almost like an Instagram kind of relationship where, hey, it's nice to meet you very quickly. Let's take a picture. I'm going to put it on Instagram. We have a great relationship. No, it takes an investment. It takes time where we spend time and build relationship together. It's a sacrifice. It takes time. Jesus, like the Father in the garden who not only created the universe and everything that exists, Jesus Christ, like the Father who came and fellowship with Adam and Eve and spent time with them, Jesus Christ, through his incarnation, he came down to fellowship with his people. And he did that even with the tax collectors and sinners, Jesus spent time with people. If we are looking for a culture that Jesus brings, a culture of heaven, it involves spending time with one another and really fellowshipping and encouraging one another. It involves getting to know one another from there and really building good relationship. Have we done this well? No, we haven't. 
And that's why I'm saying to you, we cannot have it and do it as a tick box, we've done it. It has to be part of our culture and what, who we are. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. This one, it could be another one of those religious acts that we do. So how was your week this morning? Did, did, how was your week today? Did you go to church? Yes, tick. Did you pray? Yes, tick. Did you break bread? Yes, tick. Did you go to a city group? Yes, tick. That's not what the breaking of bread is about. It's not to appease our conscience and say we've done it. The breaking of bread speaks of a different culture altogether. A culture where we are able to stop and reflect that one day there was a time in my life when I stood under the wrath of God, under the judgment of God, that shame was all over me, that guilt was all over me, that I was embarrassed of my life, that I couldn't even open up my life to anyone, that I couldn't even face this grace of God, that I was under the justice of God. There was that day. And somehow, all my impurities, all that I had in my heart that was wrong, that was bad, that deserved the judgment of God, God came, Jesus Christ, through the cross, and He came, and He gave me His own righteousness, and He took away everything that I had. And because of what happened through the cross, I can stand here today and say, my chains fell off, my heart was free, I rose, went forth, and followed thee. Do you remember that hymn? Why? Because Jesus came into my life, and he changed me. And I don't know how many times we step back and reflect what actually happened when we actually gave our lives to Jesus Christ, is that our lives were transformed completely. And I want to say to us today, let us be those who learn to do this on a regular basis. And I just want to encourage you, even in your city groups, why don't we break bread in our city groups together? In your home. Where's Emily? Why don't we break bread together? And let it be a lifestyle. Not just something that we do for a holiday. But let it be a time where we, on a regular basis, we are those people who stop and reflect of the cross of Jesus Christ and what He has done in our lives and what that means to us. And we just don't live our lives because somehow we have escaped. But it also is an opportunity for us, even as we've just been reminded earlier by Joel, where we stop to really say, Lord, my life is a mess at the moment. I need your freedom. I repent of my unrighteousness. I recognize when I stand here and look to your cross, I stand here today as one who is impure today. Although I am saved by, by faith and by grace through faith, but I realize now I'm not in line with the truth of the gospel. Help me to realign myself so that I could walk in your purposes. And it's going to require that reflection where we come before God and we repent. And we say, Jesus, take this. It doesn't belong here. And give me your righteousness. And we do that when we break bread together. There's another aspect of breaking bread that's important for us. And that is community. I've never known anyone who would stand there and break bread on their own. If you do that, then that's a very sad thing. But the breaking of bread is supposed to happen in community where we come together. And as we come together, it's a reminder that as a church, we rely on one another because God has made the church be people who are really intertwined. Our lives are so intertwined that we belong together and we can say to you, I'm going to share Jesus to you and you're going to share Jesus to me. And we continue in our lives sharing Jesus and who he is in our lives. Lastly, they devoted to prayer. 
the result of the fall, the fall means what happened when Adam and Eve fell and sinned has led to lives and revolving around individuals and around us. What do I mean by that? My life somehow revolves around me. I come first, and maybe creation comes second, and God comes last. But God's plan was that He comes first, and then everything else flows from God. And because we come first, it becomes harder for us to find Jesus as most glorified and most exalted and most beautiful in our lives. And the only way we do that is through prayer. Prayer helps us to pull the curtains so that we might behold Christ as the most glorious and beautiful in our lives. Imagine one day you wake up in the morning and you realize when you wake up in the morning that you have three minutes to breathe oxygen. What will you do? Three minutes to breathe oxygen. You'll run around. There's no oxygen. It's disappearing. It takes three minutes. I just woke up. I haven't even thought about it. Three minutes. After these three minutes, I'm not going to be able to breathe oxygen. Maybe carbon, uh, carbon dioxide. What will you do? I'm sure the three minutes you have, you would appreciate how important oxygen is in your life. Because when you wake up in the morning, do you ever think of oxygen? No, it doesn't feature, right? Even, even when it comes to your car and all that, it's you know, carbon dioxide and all that we are breathing around. I'm just happy because there's a little bit of oxygen there for me to survive. But imagine if it was to become the primary thing in your life. Let me say this. God, through prayer, when we pray, we say, God, you are like that oxygen that if you move out of the way, I cannot survive. And prayer helps us to go to that place where we recognize that God is this. Don't say God is like an oxygen. He's better than that. Because he's the one who gives us oxygen. Okay? Just in case your theology was like God is like oxygen. Let's compare God with oxygen. and oxygen. No, 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 no. That's what, what I mean by, is by that is that this is the one thing that I need. This is the one thing that occupies my number one spot. And the only way that we get to see that is when that relationship, the connection between heaven and earth between me and heaven is just so open and the signal and the God channel is just so open at all the time. And that happens through prayer. That it doesn't become the thing that I tick on the box that I've done, but it actually becomes a lifestyle. Oh, this is how I live on prayer. I make decisions on prayer. I stand or fall on prayer. And the way I see everyone else today is based on my prayer life. My prayer life is so soaked and rooted in God. Because let's be honest with each other. When you read the Psalms or you read Isaiah, how does that make you feel? The way they're able to articulate who God is, what He is like. It makes you feel, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing? What is it that they're seeing that I'm not seeing? When the, the Psalmist says, Better is one day in your cause than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be your doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell in the tents with the wicked. What is it that they're seeing that I'm not seeing? What is it that Isaiah is seeing when he talks about the glory of God in the temple that I'm not seeing? Where the psalmist talks about, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. I, walked into my, I walk into my office. Most of the time, I don't feel like God is there. 
that somehow they feel that God is there. Why? Because they saturated their lives with prayer that became a lifestyle to a point that it was their language and everything changed because it was rooted in prayer. But what we are doing when we're praying is that we are locking arms with those, the Isaiahs and the Davids of old, and we are locking arms as well with the heavenlies, with the angels as they continue to glorify God and worship Him. And we sing this song of creation to say He's holy, He's lifted, and He's glorious. And we don't do that because I'm telling you, you got to pray, you got to pray, we got to pray. But we do that because God is revealed before us. And the more we soak ourselves, we soak our lives in prayer, the more we soak everything that we are doing, everything that we are in prayer, the more the heavens open. Because David and Isaiah, their veils were still on their faces. They could not see God the way that we are seeing God. With us, the benefit and the advantage that we have no veil. As we pray, as we look to God, somehow the face of God is revealed before us and we become more like Jesus every day as we pray because we connect with Him and we understand the language of heaven. Let's give our lives to Him and saturate everything in prayer because that's where we stand and fall. And the outcome of that, of praying and giving our lives to Jesus in prayer, is that we begin to see that God is exalted way more than we realize. Just a few things just to say practically. One of the things that we've had to adjust recently has been how we work. Joel myself being on full time, it's easy for me that every day I can just be meeting five, six people, spending time with this, having this meeting, organizing that, having coffee here, just, just keep going and going and going. But when you don't put the right disciplines in place so that you can manage your life well, where even sleep is part of your discipline for prayer, that helps you to pray well, to be refreshed in, in God. In God. But one of the things that I just want to submit to you that we've done is that we've set aside a day where we can just step back from all the, the activities and we can just focus on family and we can focus on our lives and just say, hey, am I doing well here? So for Joel, that's a Sunday. And uh, let me say this, if you want to contact him, contact him any other day, but not a Sunday. It's a, it's a Sabbath. I'm kidding. Because it's a day that he can spend time with the family, because the, the way we work when you're in full-time ministry is almost sometimes can feel like 24-7. You're active all the time. Your phone is buzzing, and there's a lot that's happening. We, we need to learn, all of us, and I'm saying this for all of us, we need to learn to declutter our lives and to really give our lives to God in a way, to set our priorities well so that we can actually be refreshed in God. So Sunday, don't contact him because he's giving. Sunday, contact me. <laughs> okay? But I'm not saying you should definitely contact me. I'm just saying that's how you should do it. <laughs> but for me, it's Saturday. And Saturday is a day that I'm gonna, I will spend time with my family because it's the only day that Emily and I can spend the whole day together with Dylan and we can fe fellowship as a family together. And of course, sometimes we hang out with people and we spend time with people and I appreciate that. And uh, when we hang out with you um, for, on a social basis, it doesn't, it's not part of my job, but actually it's quite nice. It's good to do that. But I just want to say, let's set that time to be a time where we can give ourselves to God. 
Thank you for listening. Visit www.cityhillglobal.com to find out more about City Hill Church. Thank you.